The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing city. Good morning, Boston. What's happening? This is Dave. Happy Wednesday. Special treat for you today. We're debuting a new podcast on the Boston Podcast Network. By the way, if you'd like your own podcast, go to pod617.com to get started. And let's talk. Let's talk. Who knows? You could be the next podcast star. And it'll be fun. And you could do it here in our Westwood studios. We'd love to have you. So go check it out. But here's the thing. New podcast already posted. You can go to pod617.com right now and find Twin XL. So Twin XL, Twin XL, Twin XL. If you say it fast enough, it sounds like something different. Twin XL, it actually refers to a bedsheet thing. And it's sort of an inside joke for parents who have kids on their way to college or already at college. You have to buy Twin XL sheets. That's the joke. I don't care whether you like it or not. It's pretty clever if you ask me. What you're going to hear now is an excerpt from this new pod. We've already released a full six-episode mini-season, and it's really cool. It's informative. It's funny. It's entertaining. It's everything in between. Laura DeVoe and Beth Grampetro, who are my brand new best friends in the whole wide world, they bring a lot of energy, knowledge, experience, just everything you want in, a, in an awesome podcast. And six episodes, binge it now. Go to pod617.com. If you want to get there even quicker, go to pod617.com backslash twin XL. That's the word twin and then the letter X and then the letter L. Do I have to spell everything around here? If you go to iTunes, you can search. The easiest thing to do is search Pod 617. P-O-D 617. You'll see all the shows that we produce, including Twin XL, will be up there front and center. Subscribe to this thing. We talked about uh, the sense of, uh, of sending a kid, the idea, the phenomenon, the situation of sending a kid to college in this era of heightened sensitivity to sexual abuse and sexual harassment and the whole Me Too movement and everything else and the fair or not backlash that certain people are saying makes it difficult for young men to go into situations because they have to be on eggshells or pins and needles or whatever the heck they're saying they are. Anyway, it's a delicate situation and we get into it, we get real here because Laura and Beth in this particular segment you're going to hear Ask me about my son on his way to college, or at least being a dad of someone who, uh, a young man who's on his way to college pretty soon, and sort of what the dynamics are like. So it's a cool conversation, but you should really go listen to the whole thing. Twin XL on pod617.com. You're going to hear this conversation here. It's a cool one, and it happens to be from their sixth episode in the sixth episode mini season. So I'll see you tomorrow. I'm going to sit back, relax, have a cup of, not extra cup of coffee, and let you listen to this conversation with me and Lara and Beth. Enjoy your day, Boston. 
Uh, we are here to talk now about how parents can coach their students around the issues of consent um, and sexual assault on campus and what kind of conversations you should be having. And this actually starts really early in a kid's life. Mm-hmm. And um, those of us who grew up, you know, again, before we knew better right. and started doing better, how many times as a kid were you at a family gathering and you were made to hug a relative? Mm-hmm. Whether you might have said, no, I don't want to hug Uncle Biff or whatever. And your mom or dad was like, no, you go hug them. Right. Um, or how many times, you know, girls especially, you go home and say, mom or dad, you know, this boy at school chases me on the playground and tries to hit me and tries to, oh, he does that because he, he likes, likes you. you. And so there's there's unfortunately been um, this telling uh, you know telling our children especially our little girls but not not just them mm-hmm. like you don't own your body yeah. you have to do what other people you have to do things that either make other people happy right. like hug that relative you don't want to hug or you have to like accept that you know oh well this boy will show he likes you by abusing you in some way yeah. so we unfortunately have set up um uh, entire generations of people not to feel like they have bodily autonomy which is sad but i know there are lots of people trying to to change that and Hopefully with your student who's going off to college, you you have renewed and sort of age appropriate for a teenager conversations about like, hey, you do own your body. Right. And there might be times as your parent that I have stepped in and said, you will do this thing for your health. You will get this shot, even though you don't like getting shots um, because it's good for your health. Mm-hmm. But like really reinforcing for them. And again, if you feel like you haven't been doing this, there's no time like the present, like let them dress the way they want. Let right. them let them like do the things they want to do. Let them get the haircut they want, mm-hmm. like whatever it is, because it is their body, and, and that's an important thing to reinforce. And I want to, you know, I'm I'm 52 years old. I am of a specific generation. I'm a little bit older than Beth. I'm, all right, I'm older than Beth. And <laughs> there's, I grew up at a time when in the 80s, girls and I had this conversation with people. It was look, if a boy wants to have sex with you, you can do this instead, not say no, not to deflect, but instead, why don't you think about these other acts that yeah. would bring him pleasure? Just placate, that will him, just, placate like, him with a blowjob exa- and maybe exactly. he'll go away. Like yeah. give him a hand job <laughs> or give him a blowjob and that'll be the end of it. And you, you and that's not, that's not sex. And I'm like, now, knowing that that was infused in my head, back when it was infused in my head, that screws with you. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it screws with you as a person. It screws with you as a woman, but it also screws with you in terms of what do you see as your your ability to take ownership of your environment. And so, if you're a parent of my generation, which you may very well be, it is okay to be pissed off about what the world told you at the time. And I don't think it's appropriate for you to be angry at yourself. Mm-mm. Okay, and I think it's more appropriate for you to say, okay, how do I flip the narrative to be able to say, no, this is this is not cool. Um, just like you know, for years we were told that eggs were good for us, and now we're being told they're bad. Okay, no, or they're good again. They're good again. Okay, <laughs> I can't keep track. But but is that there's things that are going to change over time, and we need to understand that, and we need to own how those things impacted us, and that you know now as a parent talking to your teenage child. Um, about these same situations, I think it's going to be important for you to say, I made I made these presumptions at a point because I thought this was right, but mm-hmm. I need you to understand this is where we're at right now. Well, and, the, and I think it's easy for, 
we've talked already a little bit about how we've, you know, dealt with these issues on campuses where we've worked and we've had conversations with parents at orientation before. The parent conversations often fall into one of two categories. Mm -hmm. Well, kind of three, because then there's the middle group of parents that like they absorb the information. They know it's, it's a big deal. And, um, but they, they're sort of appreciative of the conversation, but then you've got the group that is the parents of young women who are terrified, understandably, Mm -hmm. and are, Oh gosh, like what's, what if this happens to my daughter, what do I do? And then you have the group of parents of sons who are, um, you know, afraid of, well, what, what if my son is wrongfully accused? Yeah. What if he, what if he innocently does a thing that, um, he doesn't realize is okay mm-hmm. and ends up in trouble. And I think, um, that second part is, or it's a good example of how like the sexism around this stuff doesn't just hurt the women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the problem with it for men, um, is that, it doesn't think much of men no. <laughs> to say that they're just like showing up on campus, like thinking with their, with they their, their schlong, with their yeah. junk and being <laughs> like, I can't, I am not a human who can control myself because once I see like a flash of shoulder yeah. from a lady, yeah. I just lose control. And that's, that. it's terrible because that is not accurate about your sons. Right. <laughs> folks out there. Um, they, they can and do do better than that and should be expected to do better. And also like, it's, just factually not true. Right. And I, I mentioned briefly the Lee Sack and Miller study. So Lee Sack and Miller are these are these two guys mm-hmm. um, who did a study in the early aughts um, of folks at colleges. They asked these men to fill out these questionnaires. And again, it wasn't, have you ever raped anyone? But all these questions about their intera- intimate interactions with, with women. And they found this like small group of them that, that marked off all these things that constituted assault. And then they did interviews with them. And they found something like 92 four or 95 percent of the men they interviewed had never done any of that stuff right most of them never do and then this small group and as i mentioned before 60 something percent of the small group had done it repeatedly Repeatedly. yeah so like we're not worried Mm -hmm. so much that there are a bunch of college-age men out there who like are just bumbling around and too dumb to realize when they when the person they're with is consenting or not Mm -hmm. that's not the common occurrence no even though that's scary. And I get it. Like, it's got to be scary. And Dave, you may have something to say about this as a parent of, of young men. Like, it's got to be scary to think, what if my kid does some goofy thing and, like, it wrecks their life? But yeah. it's not as common as people fear. Well, right. And I, and I wouldn't be counted among those who are going, oh, you know who I'm worried about? My son. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to look at a girl the wrong way. And then, me too this and me too that. And all of a sudden, his life mm-hmm. is over. Um no, but I but I think it's good to talk about how things have changed and how, you know, I remember going to college and thinking, uh, I'm never going to, I mean, <laughs> I didn't wake up every morning and think I'm never going to rape anybody. It's just, that's just not the way I think. <laughs> but, 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 but I never, but, but I knew uh, very clear to me what rules were, what consent was. But um, admittedly, you get, it, the, the lines get a lot blurrier once you get in your, you know, you're with a lot of people who are, um, you know, sort of asserting their sexuality for the real first time, who are mm-hmm. drinking a lot and doing drugs for the real first time. And people are getting silly and you feel liberated to do this and that. And so it gets into it. It, it definitely gets into the situation where you might not realize that you're making somebody feel uncomfortable. And that's so if I could, the the, the example that comes to mind is not from college campus, but 
the one that I think is good to talk to in, in terms of the Me Too movement is the, are you guys familiar with the Aziz Ansari bit? Yes. What happened with that comedian? So, this is such a tricky one. Exactly. Yes. And that, that's, <laughs> so, so we're going to load out a really hard one yeah. to discuss. Well, yeah. Okay. That is that okay? <laughs> yeah. That, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's why I bring it up. This particular article I happen to be looking at is uh, Vox.com. The original post was from someone on babe.net that mm-hmm. described a date gone awry with comedian Aziz Ansari, who's very charming and funny. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if she was kind of excited to go out with him because he was famous. Probably. She, yeah, probably. Right. So they went back to his place. It was just sort of a normal date. He repeated it. She says he repeatedly ignored her growing discomfort and the concerns she voiced and tried to pressure her into sex. At one point, she she says she voiced that she didn't want to feel forced. He said he seemed to understand until he suggested that they chill on the couch where he sat back and pointed to his penis and motioned for me to go down on him. She said she felt pressured to go along with it, not knowing how to extricate herself from the situation and eventually mm-hmm. left his apartment in tears and then later sort of explained that she came to now consider it a sexual assault. <clears throat> so, I mean, you talk about gray areas and, mm-hmm. you know, you picture Aziz Ansari, especially with that stupid smirk on his face, pointing toward his crotch <laughs> and you think uh, you're being a douche. But, but um, we, you know, we know there was a, there was a weird like uh, sort of backlash period, I want to say, in the 80s where some school came out with actual rules about you, know, you have to yes, ask yes. A, a person specific body parts if you're allowed to touch. And we know mm-hmm. that's not realistic, right? No. no. So, I, I mean, I would never tell my son... Um, just be careful who you touch. You know, I said, use your common sense. Just make sure you're being respectful of the person you're with. But what do you guys think of the, the Aziz Ansari thing? Let's so talk about I, that. Oh, it brings up a lot of thoughts. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think, first of all, actually, to, to, to address another thing you just said about the schools that, and it wasn't just in the 80s, there have been some more recently that yes. have been like, well, let's just have like a contract Correct. people have yes. to sign. There's also, um, there's a great uh, Dave Chappelle sketch about the love contract where he did, he did this satirical sketch about like getting someone to sign something before you have sex with them. It's very funny. Um, But it's poking fun at that for a reason, because that's not a realistic thing. And it's, it wouldn't hold up. I mean, I'm not an attorney, but like, um, can you, can you ask John Graff if the love contract would hold up? I bet he knows. Um, But like, it's, it's like people will do anything to just avoid communicating, yeah. <laughs> which is what you need to do. And when I think of the Aziz Ansari thing, there's a couple things going on there. And I, I admit, like, that's an uncomfortable story for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. Yep. Um, it's uncomfortable for women who are like, been there. Been there. Like, yep. I've been in that situation. Maybe it wasn't exactly the same because it wasn't a famous person or it wasn't whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, been in a situation where... I wasn't sure what to call it and and it probably wasn't anything legal or illegal but I did not feel okay and I didn't feel in the moment like I had the ability to say I wasn't okay I didn't because, have agency. because yeah. of a power dynamic a power differential okay. yeah and I think and I don't know I yeah. I know there were also some questions about like the outlet in which that was published. I don't know. And I'm, and I don't want to speak too much on that specifically because I am not an expert on that situation and, and all that. But I think that there's, I think that there's sometimes situations where there's a pretty clear power differential, whether it's in that case, because this is a famous person in another case, like because one person is physically bigger and stronger than the Mm -hmm. other or even just like the situation that occurs and has happened to so many of us where you're finally like with that person that you have this huge crush on mm-hmm. and you like want them to like you. Right. right? And you don't, yeah. and it's not that you want to have sex with them or do whatever it is they want to do, but your fear is 
what will this person do if I say no? And not a fear of like, they're physically going to attack me or I'm going to be hurt physically, but like, will this ruin my chances for later? Mm -hmm. Or are they going to tell everyone on campus that I'm frigid? You know, just all these things. And it sounds silly maybe to someone who's not in the moment. Right. Right. Cause, Mm -hmm. cause like adult me looks back and goes, well, if you're worried that they're going to be mad that you don't want to have sex, do you want to date that person? He sounds like an asshole, right? But that's not the way you necessarily think as a, as a young young soul, as a 17 year old. Absolutely not the way college Beth thought. There is nothing more confusing and there's nothing more invigorating and there's nothing more complicated than the first time you're actually with somebody who you have feelings for and that first kiss or for that first touch or for whatever, but then you have absolutely, you know, things are moving at a pace that you can't, you can't map it out. And so when something goes not as you had hoped in your brain, how you actually can can kind of nimbly move from one thing to the other. You can't tell someone, okay, this is going to happen, then that, then that, then that. That's not how it works. Well, And there's just the difference here, and this is not, I feel like we're going we're gonna to need another episode about <laughs> folks who are, who identify as trans or non-binary mm-hmm. or out, outside of the gender binary, yeah. because this is a very gender binary conversation we're having. Yes. Um, but f- for those that, identify as as women and are are raised as women Mm -hmm. you are raised to not take up too much space and you are raised to be nice and you are raised not to be mean to other people and accommodating and that doesn't serve you well when you're in a situation where you you have every right to be like nah dude get back off Mm -hmm. because your every fiber of your being has been trained from day one to be like don't make them mad Mm -hmm. don't like they're gonna think you're a bitch don't yep. be a bitch. So, and then for the men, you're not necessarily, although again, I think this is shifting. I think we're changing it. You're given these messages, even though you, you know, 95% of you, which is great, like don't act on it in this way and understand that it's not the right thing to do. But these messages are thrown at, at boys and men too of like, well, you just can't help it. It's just a thing you need. And when you see like any stimulus, you're just not able to even control yourself. And that's not fair to the men either. No. And so we're yeah. given these messages that really set up the power differential and make these situations really difficult to navigate. And I think, again, coming back to if and when these conversations start when the kids are young, the message that everyone needs to hear and hopefully carries into adulthood is like, if someone in the situation isn't having fun, you should stop. Yeah, that's the best message, right? <laughs> yeah, right. But my, and it happens that my son is a real rule follower, so he'll he'll be like drawing up the contract for like two hours before <laughs> he'll be the one actually writing it and making like, sure that it's uh, copied and triplicate. Is every and all that. clause in but, here right, amenable to right, you? Just make right. sure that when he prints it, it's not right. in Comic Sans. Okay, so <laughs> or papyrus, yeah. right? But but uh, what I would say to him is, you know, to not be. Um, you know, if he were, or, or whatever, to students, to, to young men who are going into college scared of being accused of something and say, this sucks, you know, I thought I was going, I, you know, I mean, let's face it, kid, I'm going to college, I'm going to hook up, I'm going to hook up with a lot of girls, right? It's, this is going to suck if I can't do anything. I think you can tell them that the this has been a good thing. This has been a good awakening because, but but think of what it's really meant to address. It's meant to address people that, get in a situation that feels so un- extremely uncomfortable mm-hmm. that it affects them for a long time in in painful in a painful manner and 
if you if you have the good head on your shoulders, I think you do. You're not going to do that. You're going right. to know. You're going to know. And right. so and and you know what? It's 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 worth a little bit of hysteria out there for the some of these that they <laughs> save. I, I mean, right? I mean, that, that's a weird way of putting it. But there you well, go. and I think you know. Hopefully, and this is a challenging and strange thing to think about when you're talking about your child, right? Good sex is sex where everyone's enjoying it. Yes. And like, <laughs> I don't want to think about, much like I don't want to think about my parents having sex. No. I don't mm-hmm. want to think about my kid right. one day doing it either. But <laughs> right. realistically, as people, I hope that they are and they're mm-hmm. enjoying it. I, I, that, that's what mm-hmm. we all, we all deserve that. And like, if a person in the situation, male, female, non-binary, whatever person you are, if any person in the situation is uncomfortable and having a bad time, why do you want to be there? Right. Like that's not any fun. Um, And it should matter to you that your partner or partners, because again, I don't know what you're up to. Have fun. Um, Do you, (laughs) you do you like, but it should matter to you that the people involved are, are enjoying themselves and are comfortable because that's the basis or part of the basis for a good experience. I love how she's being so inclusive. She keeps saying everyone in it. So it's not necessarily just two people. Like for example, if if you're the seventh person in, you might feel awkward. (laughs) You might be like, you know what? It's not, not for me. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. No one's cleaning up. No one's cleaning. (laughs) I'll admit. I sometimes used to do that when in presence, presentations with students because that was like clearly a thing that most of them had not thought of and when I would be like partner or partners you'd see like the eyebrows in the room just shoot right up to hairlines all across the room and it was just kind of fun yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) but anyway um so we need a little break I think yeah Um, we're going to talk about uh what are your campus resources yes after the break hi everybody I'm Chami DePerel let me take a minute to tell you about the Boston Podcast Network How would you like your own podcast? The Boston Podcast Network can produce one for you. Whether you're a lawyer, financial advisor, business owner, or really any kind of professional, you should have your voice heard through this exciting new medium. A good podcast is more powerful than traditional advertising. If a prospective client hears your podcast through their earbuds, you're already in their head, literally. Pod617.com will help you deliver a message and build relationships Clients and centers of influence will delight in being a guest on your show. Go to pod617.com to start planning. And in the meantime, listen to the great shows they've already produced. The Irreverent Bitchless Bride podcast. The hilarious show known as Shawshanked. And the wild trip through the paranormal that is Monsterland. Be part of the pod revolution. Visit pod617.com. In pod, we trust. 